Hey guys, welcome back to the Art of Craftsmanship podcast. My name is Dustin O'Hara, and I'm here with my brother and co-host, Evan. Hello. And we are joined tonight by an awesome guest, super excited about having with us, Mark Adams. Hey guys. Hey Mark, man. How's it going? Uh, it's going great. Great to talk to you guys again. Can't wait for awesome. Maker Camp. Yeah, man. Right on. <laughs> All right, Devin, what do you got for us tonight? This comes from an excerpt with the uh, interview with the director Akira Kurosawa. He was this is um, a little bit more context. He was an assistant director to another director, right? Okay. While working under Tazakawa. Kurosawa saw the beauty of Mount Fuji as the village slowly woke up and followed the crew's cars in a trot. When the northerly wind blew, the peasant bandits would turn their horses' rumps towards the wind and the clouds swept by above them, he said, remembering a scene from 57 years ago. But Takazawa didn't shoot any of these images. He would just stick to the status quo. Kurosawa's frustration with his director pushed him towards figuring out how he would shoot his own films. Okay, from the from the the key mm. to that, in my opinion, was him saying, "When the winds blew." the peasants would come by with their horses and just react to the weather naturally with, you know, he's seeing Mount Fuji in the background and they're just preparing the horses for the samurai scenes. But he was saying, why aren't we shooting this? But the the head dude at the time was going like, well, we have a a scene to shoot over here. And he's going, but, but this is your shot. Mm -hmm. This is what it's about. And I, I I love that. That was from a book I read way back in film school. And that always stuck with me and actually took a while for me to find that again. (laughs) I was like searching all day. I was like, I know he talks about the scene with a mountain in the background, but man, I I, I love that. Um, I, I like just the mentality of like letting, letting the, uh, letting the moment guide the creativity. You know, not yeah. having, not being super rigid to what's, you know, what's prescrib- prescribed or what's written out, you know, like letting the moment happen and letting that be as important to, you know, what you're creating as you know, all the planning as well, you know, kind of somewhere in between maybe. I think that that kind of feels like my picture sometimes at Maker Camp because <laughs> everyone kind of brings their own energy to the set. So it's always different. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So no matter who I plan for, and we all know Craig will show up and bring his own energy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're not gonna write a script for what's gonna happen when Craig comes in. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Yeah, he might have, have to... a script, but <laughs> yeah. Well, last year he had 13 different outfits, so I, I'm hoping he's gonna top himself this year. <laughs> oh man he's just like yeah. comes for the for the free photo shoots you, you have a plan and you've got a spot set up and you've got your your backdrop and stuff but when people are moving around and doing stuff yeah you're not afraid to grab the camera and start moving around and getting different things and getting more candid stuff that's yeah because that's, that's really more important i think right right mm-hmm. for sure yeah we got we so got maybe few... we'll see you two you two will be dancing you'll have a routine that i'll photograph this year <laughs> well, well, Devin, Devin won't I, be there this year, unfortunately. I won't be there. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, um, 
Have a Not night. only am I having a kid, <laughs> it's due October 8th. Um, also, the team I work for, I, I do video production for the O's, Mark. Mm-hmm. So right. they're doing really well this year. And that will probably be dead smack in the playoff games at home. Oh, so man. I got to be there for that as well. Well, I mean, good and bad, I guess. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they hopefully they keep winning so yeah for sure <laughs> yeah at least you have right like the the right reasons yeah, like yeah you're gonna have right. you're gonna have a little uh yeah babies and baseball what's what's more important than that <laughs> yes very very american right there yeah <laughs> yeah dust babies i guess you're gonna have a little a ba- uh, a radio or something or your or your phone streaming games maybe at night you'll have, oh, yeah. have that in one right, exactly yeah <laughs> um it's it's definitely going to be an odd situation, you know, being like the two of us are very much recognized as the two of us, you know. So <laughs> with just one, just me there, people will be like, there's going to be a lot alone. of, where's your brother? There'll be a lot of. Uh, <laughs> well, or you could get a uh, a print of his face and put it on a backpack and just carry him around on your back. The <laughs> on the back. <laughs> like uh, like C-3PO. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. I'll, I'll be Chewbacca. That's fine. No, no, I'll be C-3PO. You're right. You be Chewbacca. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I could, uh, you know, that could be my mask for, for Mark's oh, photo right. sh- mask photo shoots. I could just have a mask of Devin's face. Print out. I've got, <laughs> I've got to get back to that. Um, I've got to start, start making something for myself. I've, cause I've been so busy and, yeah. traveling from portland to here i hadn't really wanted to make one there and then have to carry it here with everything else so um mm, right but i definitely want to get that word out again i think i, I want people to kind of participate in that i haven't seen a yeah. lot of people post like making of that yet so i was curious how many people were going to try it right well i keep i keep seeing people or not keep but like it, i hadn't I, I saw your original post and you were like talking mm-hmm. about it and then there was like a, a long time where i didn't see anything and then like a month ago, I saw a few people starting to post about making it. I was like, "Oh, that's Wait, right. right." I don't. Yeah, I've got. I got to start reminding people, and and hopefully they'll yeah. have time. Yeah, I don't know what this is. What is this? Um, well, I because I thought I was you know scrolling through Instagram like everybody does, you know, a million times a day, and um, <laughs> I saw this. Um, it's an antique seller who sells a lot of. Um, very old, you know, hundreds and thousands, not hundreds of years old or thousands of years mm-hmm. masks from around the world. And I, I thought it'd be really cool for people to make masks that were personal to themselves so that when we're doing portraits this year, it's not just like another picture. You know, it gives them an opportunity to have something that's, that they've made that they feel represents them and hopefully get like kind of an artistic portrait of it and just mm. give somebody, you know, another view or another kind of project that just to make for fun and, and bring to camp. Just kind of commute a little more community aspect of it. Yeah, mm. no, I love that. I love yeah, I love just you're just adding something to it. Yeah, I try yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, I like um, I like that idea, and that's um, way more. It's it's a it's a better idea than what I remember you talking or not. What I remember, I just forgot the aspect of like what it you know something that represents you. Mm-hmm. So that makes it harder to make but also more interesting, I think, to, you know, to capture. Um, well, and since everybody makes different materials and they kind of have like a personal relationship with it, or maybe mm-hmm. they wanted to try something fun, just, you know, an opportunity to be a kid again, you know, like you're five yeah. years old, just playing with something. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. that's, yeah. It's, you know, you get a bunch of 
weird mass and late at night and a lot of that alcohol we were talking about it could get weird <laughs> right very it could like definitely get weird some type of hedonism resort <laughs> right <laughs> like sure. Dance, dancing around the giant fire pit they made right yeah. what's the uh, <laughs> eyes wide shut style yeah. thing <laughs> right <laughs> you should not be here yeah oh man um, I like that. Okay. Um, I, I was gonna say I like I like that quote also just because there's uh, I think there are always issues that come up with making and if you're not willing to change to mm-hmm. to break away from what mm-hmm. you're doing then it's gonna make it a lot less fun right and and also a lot more stressful I think um, as an example I um, well I just finished the my maker swap item which is a big persuader mallet that I've been working on, um, like uh-huh. a timber framing mallet. And I got the, the top um, two plaques laser etched and everything. And, and then as I was screwing in um, one of the screws, I have like four screws on each corner. And I was like being super careful. One screw the, on each corner or four? One screw on each corner. Did okay. I say four? One, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I was going to say, that's too many screws. Uh, right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> I was screwing in uh, one of the, the the seventh out of eight screws I was putting in. So I was working on the second plaque, screwing it in, and um, and my screwdriver slipped off, and I scratched the surface oh. of one of the plaques. <laughs> so oh. I was like, ah. And it's like super high polished brass, you know, it's like mirror polish, yeah. and, and, you know, not perfect, but is pretty good. Like as good as I was happy with. So it's got this scratch. And so I taped off everything around it and I took it back over to the buffing wheel and buffed it, which all worked fine, but it also buffed off some of the surface of the laser etch. Oh, so oh, like right. you can okay. still see it, it would be fine. But, but I was looking at it after I finished everything. I was like, Ugh. so I think I got to pull that off. And, and like, really? fortunately the backside of the, copper plate is or brass plate is you uh, know, i can use the back side yeah. so i'll just flip it over i'll re-etch it and then you know put that one back on but uh yeah like, and uh, then maybe put some uh, blue tape on the top of it and kind of see if it'll protect right. it just in case yeah and i was like the, right. so right. <laughs> the other reason why the reason why it slipped off every every all the, all the other ones i was like holding my fingers on the screw as i was screwing it and they're flatheads because they're brass wood screws so like nice yeah. like which uh, oh my god i just <laughs> i cannot stand a brass flat screw I, they, yeah <laughs> I, I i have they have not met one that has has a love love with me because i'm always either it's always jumping out gouging uh-huh. something or it like is snapping off or it's just been worn out by someone taking the wrong size right. screwdriver to yeah. it and it's just like yeah I, yeah i shouldn't be even for the look of it i should it's like someone hands you chopsticks for a steak yeah. like i shouldn't be using this there's better things i will say it, that it, like, yeah technology has changed quite a bit right. yeah like a flathead looks better does as look a nice. finished screw than a phillips head mm-hmm. um, but only if they're clocked Right, exactly. Right, of course. And I had, like I said, I had them all good. The, um, and I was even using like, uh, what are they called? Um, their their screwdriver specifically made for, um, you know, like not marring a flathead, right? So they're they're ta- mm. they're uh, they're convex going in, so that way they sit at the bottom, and when you tighten them up, they're actually like, you know, grabbing the bottom of the slot. Um, mm-hmm. So I like took all the precautions, but another thing that happened is as I was putting my pegs through, cause it's, it's through pegged through like a, like you would use a, like a mortise and tendon in a timber frame structure. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a little 
cra- a crack started through oh. my head. Like, so uh-huh. it's, it's not, so it's not so big that it's, I'm, I'm keeping it the way it is. But uh-huh. <laughs> as I was, as I was putting that plaque on, cause the plaque actually goes across the, the, um, the, the crack. So it'll hold it mm. together. It's an mm. extra like force holding it together. Mm-hmm. Instead of holding the brass screw with my extra hand and then screwing down, I was, I was holding the whole head, like just pinching it as tight as I could, as I was screwing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. one screw. And I just like slipped right off. I was like, ah, uh, no, the one. <laughs> so again, all those things, like it's just, it's just something that every, something's going to happen. Right. And if you don't allow something to happen while you're, while you're doing it, it's just going to be that much more frustrating. Yeah, it's, right? it's, it's the it's one thing but... when you kind of know coming up, like I should do this and it, it always, mm-hmm. Always bites you in the ass real quick before we do an introduction for Mark. And I have a question for him. We, we did, Mark, we did a video once where I was like, hey, I got to get rid of my old Mac uh, computer. and I, But it's got a bunch of old weird stuff on it. So let's destroy it. I'm going to destroy it anyway. But let's right. destroy it. Let's shoot it with your with your bows, Dustin. We'll just make a video. Like, uh, destroying a, a Mac computer with uh, long bows. Like, mm-hmm. maybe you'll do something. And <laughs> first shot we take... Dustin's got a hunting broadhead on, on yeah, this, broad this arrow. We're like, let's see how this does. And it bounces off the Mac and really? comes straight at my head. And it had to be <laughs> six inches us. six inches past me. So if it would have if I was six inches to the left, that that mm-hmm. would have been it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> the one thing we kind of know, like Hey, maybe we should have more gear here. Maybe we should be standing behind somebody. Like, ah, let's just try. And it was like the worst that could happen, right? (laughs) I was shooting at it from maybe ten yards, maybe not ten, maybe five yards away, and you Uh were standing behind me. So Mm. it was like, and it was like, who would think that a broadhead wouldn't puncture a screen? (laughs) Yeah, you think it'd go right through it, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But so yeah, didn't prepare and. But didn't die that time, so that's good. <laughs> but that next right? week we've got flames. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> next exactly. week I'll jump in a fire, see if I burn. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, actually, Dust, you want to do? I was going to say I was going to ask a question, but you want to do the intro first, and then I'll, yeah, I'll, I got a question. Yeah. So obviously we're here with Mark Adams from Mark Adams Pictures. If you guys don't know Mark, you should check him out on Instagram. Mark Adams Pictures. He's an amazing photographer and just super passionate about taking beautiful portraits of people in their element, doing what they love, being who they are. And then also, uh, is an avid, um, motor cyclist and traveler and artist and, uh, just all around good dude. So Mark, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on the other craftsmanship yeah. podcast. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's, and it's you... been fun. We've, we've both done. I've talked to you a bit off and on, you know, at maker camp in the last couple of years. So it's, it's cool to have you back again and chat some more. Now there finally be a record of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, uh, oh, I had, all right. Anyway. Okay. I'll go my question. I'm, I'm getting, keep getting sidetracked. All right. Okay. <laughs> oh, I know what I was going to say. I was going to say, you'll know Mark because any black and white portrait of a maker that you see mm-hmm. on instagram is probably his photo so yep. there you go if you see those that's mark's work yeah um <laughs> yeah every everyone's like instagram <laughs> picture yeah. everyone's like favorite picture on google you know <laughs> like every it's, it, they're all the best they're the best pictures they're, they're, uh, yeah well, um, thanks guys i appreciate that yeah man absolutely okay since 
we know you're a pro and you have a great eye for composition. What can you give me one to three corrections that any photographer can make to make their picture a lot better? Like stuff you see online of people taking pictures of their kids, Mm -hmm. their family, taking pictures of their vacation. I know there's things there's things that stand out to me, and I'm just a videographer, and Dustin is a painter, and things that stand out to him because he's all about composition. So what's like your main things like when you three like, tricks when, or when when you hand a kid a camera, be like, eh, step forward, do this, do that. I mean, well, my the main one that I would always tell people is just get closer to the subject, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because I feel like when someone's looking at something and it. it is interesting to them and they want to take a picture of it, their brain is cropping out 90% of what is around them in the peripheral view, but they're not doing that physically. Whereas if they just took a step forward, the camera gets a lot closer and it's physically cropping out the extra details that they didn't want to show anyway. Yeah. Um, Just to get closer to the subject and really focus on what is important to you in that picture, whether it's an expression, a color, um, just the framing of it. Just really pay attention to those things. Um, that's that's the main thing. I think just edit out what you don't want to see in the picture and just do it in the lens, not like trying to crop it later. Mm-hmm. Boom. There you go, folks. And I, no, I totally agree. I remember that one of the first things my dad told me when I was taking a picture was fill the frame. It's you know right. yeah. basically the same mm-hmm. thing as get closer. He's like, why are you standing back there? We're... we're yeah, you're right. So many people do that. They're like, hey, can you do, take a group shot? And they step back like 20 feet. And you're like, what are you right. doing? Like, <laughs> we're all here. We're all friends smiling and having fun. Get up. Like, it should be like belly button up to the top of the head. And that's like, that's what we want to like get in as close as you can. Obviously, unless, you know, you got like uh, the right. Disney castle art. in the background. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. You but a lot of those, a lot of those, you take a few of them. And then for me, my other tip is always like take a lot more photos and get think you have to you know oh that's like, that's the dirty little secret <laughs> <laughs> it's like wow that photo is great yeah well i shot that person like 200 times so here's your best <laughs> but yeah there's a right so when someone hands me hey can you take a picture of us same thing i take about 10 pictures just snap 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 nice and close i'm like there you go one of those half has to be decent right everyone's eyes are open you know like blah 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 girls think they look pretty yeah, right. I had a, a friend a while back that every time someone would do that, he would just give them the most interesting crop that they would be unexpected. Um, so he would take a couple of pictures, but like on a couple of them, he would throw in some weird crops. <laughs> just nice. zoom in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, weird. right. Exactly. They were like, you know, well, this is only a picture of the sky with like the tops of their heads or something. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I will say like when, um, you know, when we're at maker camp and, you know, come up, you, you get our pictures or kind of chat and, you know, do the, do the thing. And then afterward you like all you know, right there on your computer, you're like, okay, just type in your email and then they, you know, people type it in and then you send them those pictures that you just took. Yep. Yep. Um, when you do that, are you, I mean, you're like, you send all the pictures, Right, like mm, I try, I try to chop out everything. Like if their eyes are closed or someone looks awkward, so and it's not okay. Yeah, I do. Right, so you're I scrolling super through, and you quick just grab it, yeah. the right ones. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I was gonna say because I know, like, you know, I've I've watched you do it a couple times by just like hanging out and chatting while you're shooting, and and it's like every one of those pictures is really good. <laughs> so like, I feel like I mean, so, you know, so, I mean, some days you have really, really, you know, great, uh, a really high percentage of success, right? Um, yeah. And then other times. You know, especially, 
uh, my girlfriend is a prodigious blinker. And I think <laughs> in the three years we've been together, I think I've got like five pictures with her eyes open. It is, it's, it's honestly hurts my soul as a photographer because I, I just start to raise up the camera, the phone, and I see her eyes blinking before it's even on her. <laughs> and I think, I think her Kung Fu is stronger than mine. <laughs> You'll never get it. You see your eyes watering. Don't do it. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Um, all right. So Mark, um, so, uh, I want to like the two minute version of like kind of how you got into photography. I know there's like, we, I want to talk about other stuff as well, but I do, you know, because, um, most people know you for your photography and I think that's what you love about it. I, I think that you're happy about that, but, um, mm -hmm, yeah. how'd you get into photography and like, and then, and then briefly, like how did, how did you get into doing it at maker camp? Um, so the, the brief story is my dad always had uh, cameras around, um, some old like uh, Nikon FEs, and um, he gave my brother one and he gave me one. And and we're talking, you know, old film cameras, 35 millimeter, mm -hmm. like the um, the meter is the, the little arrow inside the oh, viewfinder. Yeah, yeah um, that's great. So, so way older than, than most people have ever used. Um <laughs> And my brother actually took photography in junior high school. And then I took it as an elective in as a freshman in high school. Um, and then I just found I, I loved it. And then mm -hmm. I just couldn't couldn't put the camera down. <laughs> That's Did awesome. you do you think you loved it because you were good at it? Or was it like you had to you had to work to get good at it? It's, it's like uh, I don't like I don't like playing basketball because I can't play basketball. <laughs> well, I mean, I think each one of us has some sort of ability and the work we put into it once we've mm -hmm. discovered it really kind of determines the skill level. Mm -hmm. So I, I've enjoyed doing it and then I've figured out I was actually pretty good at it. <laughs> and then, you know, since then it has just been a constant grind to improve and to, you know, kind of think more about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Um, and I think you definitely have to put in the work for sure. So there's a yeah. huge component of that that is rewarding when people like the pictures because I know that I put mm -hmm. in a lot of work to get where I'm at. Right. I think right. what you said was yeah. right as well, though. Like, if you have a natural proclivity to it, you're more excited to put in the work because it's fun. And then right. you then you naturally get better. You get better quicker because you're putting in the time, right? And right. then you understand. Then you then you start to learn more about it. And you understand what more you need to do to get better. And then so you're diving deeper and deeper and getting better and better as you go. But you're putting more work into getting better. I think that's um, that's the key to anything. People who are always like, "Oh, I can't do that. I'm no good at it." And I'm like, and as a teacher, I'm like, "Well, <clears throat> it's not that. It's just you need to put in the time to learn. You know, first, like what Devin else, Devin likes to say, learn the tricks first. You know that it's it's not magic when I can, you know, as a say, if I draw an apple and I can put a shadow and then a cast shadow and and you know make it look 3D. That's that's not something that I only I can do. It's just I understand those few tricks that make it look real. Right. And so if you can like if you can get those some of those little tricks and then you start enjoying yourself because you you know you can do it and it comes out okay and then you're willing to put in the more time and effort to get better at at that whatever that right. thing is. I mean I think sometimes there's a joy of of exploring something that you find pleasurable and that you're good at. But then yeah. there's sometimes when I I feel like there's 
whether it's in photography or in anything, that if I'm not any good at it, I'm just like, well, why am I not any good at this? And then it drives me to figure <laughs> out why I'm not good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's just a, I need to change my perspective of how I'm approaching it. So sometimes it's really a mental thing. And then, like you said, basketball. Like, I'm never going to play basketball because <laughs> there's just no chance. <laughs> right. No yeah. matter how hard I work, it would not happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. I yeah. think <laughs> early on I had a great lesson in life. I, I started skateboarding with... Um, with us, you know, a guy and, and some of those people mm-hmm. in like elementary school, and middle school and Dustin skateboarded as well. That helped. But yeah. I just could not, I could barely, I could never Ollie, you know, mm-hmm. I had to do like <laughs> pop shove it's in the grass. Like other than cruise around, that was, that was it. I loved it, but I just, it did not click. And on a lot of those guys, it clicked and they were, out, they were literally laying me down and jumping over me. <laughs> and I was just like, well, I don't have it. But then I started playing the guitar, and a lot of those same people who it didn't click with, it just clicked with me. So those uh-huh. two things early on, I'm like, yeah, you got to try it if you like it. But sometimes just you got to find what, what clicks. Mm. Yeah, I mean, just because yeah. you think you're good at something doesn't mean you're good at something. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> yeah, other it. people may say, you know, like I don't, there's many things that we can all think that we're, that we can enjoy. Like, you know, right. Yeah, I would like to someday play an instrument, but I might, I don't have the ability to be a professional musician. Right. No matter how hard I worked, I can still enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's. I think you have to get to a point where you're okay with that as well, right? Like that. I, there are a lot of things that I love and that I would spend all my time doing, but I. I either don't either either I know that I never think that I will get good enough to be a professional at that thing or I enjoy it enough to enjoy it but know that I wouldn't want to push so much further that I wouldn't enjoy it anymore right so like I don't want to be a full-time knife maker I don't want to be a full-time tool restorer or uh you know like there are things that I don't want to do because maybe I'd lose that it, it would lose the enjoyment if it were if it were something I did every day and not just like the things that I love as hobbies that I like to dabble in and mix up lots of different things, you know, try different things. Yeah. Cause when a hobby becomes work, then it's can be a real challenge sometimes to keep the freshness in it. Yeah. Right. How do you, how do you balance that? Like at maker camp, you're, you're busy. You are, you're working. Mm-hmm. It is yep. work for sure. Uh-huh. Yep. How do you, what, how do you feel about that? Do you feel you're missing something or you feel like it's, it's worthwhile? I mean, I think it's, it's one of the top two weekends of my year, honestly, Mm -hmm. because you know, I, I work the hours that I do and I focus my attention on that in that way, because I, I find it incredibly valuable for, for people, um, to see themselves, uh, in a realistic, attractive way, something Mm -hmm. they can be proud of. Um, and so, you know, I feel like I'm giving that opportunity to people to, to be proud of themselves sometimes. Mm. No, that's a good, and I actually remember you saying that, that I think that same point we did that short little, I don't know if you saw it. We put out the video of what, what was the, oh, five questions, right? And last uh-huh. year we asked you five questions and a bunch of other people, five questions. And yeah, I uh-huh. think that was yep. one of your, one of your answers. That's uh, I really, no, I like that one for sure. If you, yeah, yeah, you feel like you're giving out so much, and that that does that 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 builds you up, that fills you up. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's not really, I mean, I don't look at it as work like that weekend for me is just, I can really do whatever I want. Um, Jimmy and Austin and Patrick have given me, you know, the opportunity to just show up and take whatever pictures I want to do. Um, so I need to do it in the context of the equipment I can use in that environment. Um, and so this year I'm actually going to try a few other things and kind of shake it up. So, cause each year I try to change it enough that the picture doesn't look like a picture I took last year because mm-hmm. I want people to have another, uh, something that is, feels like it's in a different space is a different context. Um, sh- so that they can show that the, to themselves that they've grown or something, their hair's changed or whatever it is. Um, so sometimes I'll go with, you know, sometimes it'll be real subtle. It might just be a background change or it might be mm-hmm. a little bit different lighting. Um, but this year I, I'm going to, going to try and come up with something a little bit, uh, a little bit different and kind of not crazy. Cause it's more of like a technical, technical exercise as well. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but since I'm really only able to fire one 15 amp breaker at a time, mm-hmm. I'm kind of limited to the amount of gear I can bring. Plus mm-hmm. it's an open air studio. So, um, a lot of the stuff that I would new, do in like a closed studio where I, I wouldn't have to worry about the wind blowing through right. and <laughs> those right. kinds of things. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and that's also the other context that I have to do the work in it. Um, cause when I had shot, cause you said you had, you had asked kind of the way that I'd gotten to take pictures at maker camp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had, um, Lincoln had brought, um, uh, some social influencers to Cleveland, mm-hmm. um, in 2018, I think. Um, and they were having like a rap dinner at Skidmark Garage, where I'm a member. Mm. And um, I had set something up a couple weeks before, and I had it left up upstairs in the building. And some people came in that I didn't know, but they had kind of a cool vibe. And I was like, "Oh, you guys want some, some pictures? I'm, I do black and white portraits." And um, by the end of the night, everybody was up there getting pictures taken and having <laughs> beers and hanging out and having a good time. And it just became a very social event. Mm. Um, and Lincoln had saw the the response to that, and then they brought me to the Spring Make to do portraits for the Spring Make event in 2019. All oh, right, on. And then um, after that, uh, Jimmy and Patrick and Austin decided to set up Maker Camp up there, and uh, they invited me to come up and wanted to know if I wanted to take some pictures and do some portraits there. So that's how I started. That's great. Were you um, in the general, the same general space underneath the big um, pavilion the first year? Uh, the first year I was actually in the far side of that pavilion. Okay. Um, the, and the reason why I moved to the corner that I'm at is it's right next to the breaker and I got tired of running oh, all the yeah. way down the length of that <laughs> when I would pop it because that was uh, a little tiring sometimes. Well, you <laughs> so want, you're right there. You switch that. Break you right. want some great photos this year. Dustin's doing um, bow making demonstrations, and mm-hmm. there will be some shooting of bows. So you'll get some some old school <laughs> medieval long bow shooting action. It'll be sweet. all right. If I could drag you away well, from, I, the, from the booth. <laughs> I mean, yes, you, definitely. Uh, is that going to be like at the end of the weekend, or I don't know what the time? I don't know. Be required I don't know those. yet because um, uh, so I talked to Austin about. Uh, doing uh the bow making last year so i'm doing that and then um i i thought you know i talked about bringing some of the bows that i've made that people can shoot and he was like that's cool and then uh like maybe three months ago 
we were going back and forth and he's like, I'm not sure if I have a great space to shoot that's safe enough. So, and I was like, that's fine. I can just do the bow making demo. It's not a big deal. And then as long as nobody tries to shoot a laptop, you'll be fine. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And then, and then like a month later he got reached back out to me and was like, Hey, I have a space that you can shoot. I was like, cool. Awesome. Well, I'll bring, you know, I'll bring bows. And so then we talked about like what I would do. So I'm going to do two one hour demos of bow making each day plus lead one hour of bow shooting. So recently when, when he posted the, you know, the weekend, the, um, you know, where everybody would be in the different tents and stuff. I didn't see anywhere on that where it says the bow shoot. So I'll have to reach out to him and see if that's still something that he has planned or if it would just like got scrapped in the planning. So mm. either way I'll have everything and I'll have, I'll have it ready. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I need to uh, figure that out with him, but, um, but yeah, so hopefully, oh, awesome. hopefully we will have the bow shoot. And if we do, I'll just make sure that I, like when I find out about what it is specifically, I'll post some stuff to my Instagram and then obviously there'll be, there'll be stuff at Baker camp. So, you know, so All right, cool. yeah. Cool. He knows he knows where you are, so he'll let you know. Right, yeah, it's easy to find me. I, you know, the big flashing kind of gives it away, especially at night. I, I, I mean, yeah. what's it look like at night outside? I, I don't. I have no idea because I don't see how how far that light carries when I'm. When I don't I'm think working, it, so. I don't think it's too bright. No, I don't. Like, I don't ever remember like noticing the flashing yeah. from outside. Yeah, same. I don't okay. remember a flash yeah. catching my attention. It's the line of people and the laughter and yeah, like the right. craziness. You're like, oh, what? Oh, we can get pictures? Okay. <laughs> and, and I think it helps also that the uh, the fire pit is, is relatively close to yeah. that building. So there's a lot of people that uh, can warm up over there and then come back and get some pictures. Yeah, and chat. Like I was with uh, Shane Mooney and I were hanging out for a while talking around the fire and then he's like, hey, let's go grab a picture. So, you know, it was like kind of that you like you get these different groups of people who start chatting and then they're like, let's let's capture this moment. And having you right there is it's so cool. Yeah, it's right. It's and that, that feels really great to be able to give you guys, you know, pictures of your new friends that you've made that, yeah. you know, or reconnecting with an old friend that you haven't seen in a while. Well, I remember the uh, 2019 Maker Camp. I didn't actually go to that one. We were up um, in Ottawa for my cousin's wedding that weekend. Um, but I remember seeing all the pictures. I remember seeing a lot of people posting those black and white pictures. And I'm like, man, these are so beautiful. Like, these portraits are so cool. And I was definitely jealous of, like, that, <laughs> what had happened. Like, I was like, someone's there taking some fucking awesome pictures. And everyone's, like, <laughs> docu- and like everyone's posting it. And then, you know, when that we went back. We were there 20, uh, 2020, mm-hmm. or I guess uh, 2021, because 2020 got, um, you know, and, got uh, canceled. But yeah, so we were there the two years in a row, both times, uh, got awesome pictures from you. But yeah, well, like, I'm glad I was you all, like on the bandwagon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we, we love them. Um, well, so I definitely I, think I, I like also when I, because I try to, if I can, I try to post a picture of every person throughout the, like, mm-hmm. as the, not during the event, obviously, because I'm shooting too much, but as it kind of rolls out afterwards. And I love oh, it when people cool. comment on them and share them and, and you know, they, they see somebody and they're like, oh, I remember talking to so-and-so and they like share a story underneath the picture. So yeah. I really encourage people to, to kind of use it as a, a page to kind of keep living and telling about the, the maker camp afterwards. Yeah. And that that also um, from the perspective of someone who has you know, like you have posted pictures of the pictures you took of Devin and I, um, that also feels really good. Like, Oh, there's like Mark, Mark posted my picture, you know, like it's just, that's, I think that same aspect of like, but now we know like he does captured. it to all the girls. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause I I'll, like, sometimes I'll be shooting somebody and I feel like we haven't quite 
got it yet. And I really, right. mm. I really want everybody to, to have a picture that they like and that they can be proud of. And um, I mean, I don't know if I've told, told it to, to you guys specifically, but I, I do always try to tell people that, you know, we're in it together. It's, it's really yeah. a collaboration between them being there and the energy that they're bringing and me. And I don't look at it as just me. And so like, if there's a, picture that they don't like I, I you know i'll get rid of those and i try not to mm. i don't want to post pictures that people don't like um but if if i'm really having a hard time with because i i really think that there's a lot of potential and, and i want to get a great picture of them and i'm mm. really just you know that's why i work so hard because i really you know i'll keep working at it and working at it and working at it just because i want each person to walk away happy yeah right on yeah and it, yeah the whole the, the great thing about well the, the great and frustrating thing in my opinion about photography is you are you're getting the right situation which you have you have the lights where you want it and you have the camera and the gear that you want but then the other half is capturing the right moment so you're mm-hmm, constantly right. tweaking and, and turning and searching like i think and dustin and i always joke about it because the the thumbnails that we do at the end of the videos <laughs> it's just taking a million photos and moving lights and moving around and searching mm-hmm. and searching and you don't always know what you're looking for and then you start to get it and you're like oh yeah that, that i think yeah. we're getting there we're <laughs> getting there yeah, you know? says, right, now we're getting somewhere and we've taken like 100 <laughs> pictures i'm like oh man I'm, I'm still holding this bounce board like in the same spot and <laughs> holding a like a spotlight above my head <laughs> I mean, like because like the one thing that i really try to to that it's it's a two-way street because i'm learning whenever i'm doing these things um and when the first year that i came up i brought all the stuff i'd shot with at the spring make which you know was a full studio setup basically Mm -hmm. um because i wasn't i didn't know what facility i would have i didn't know what i would need so i just brought everything i thought i would need which was considerable um (laughs) and then when austin showed me the space i was like well i've got one outlet and it's going to be windy so i can't use you know the bounce cards i can't mm. use like a bunch of other stuff and i don't have enough weights for more lights because i don't have power for that so that doesn't matter so <laughs> let's just it just like in that in that particular case where you were talking about it earlier kind of not being able to use um all of my equipment and doing it all mm. with lighting really forced me to look kind of inward and kind of really focus on the energy of the people and not mm. trying to make everybody look um like not to kind of falsely use the light but to really mm. just to put a, make a light that's broad enough for a variety of situations and then just really talk to the people and kind of photograph their energy as, as their personality and not be like oh the perfect catch light is right there because for me it's much more important to have the energy because i want the pictures to feel like people not like a you know, like a sculpture. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I think you capture that moment that like movement in a still photograph, which, um, hard is something, yeah, which is hard to do. And I think that's something that I recognize as like, when I see a photograph that seems like there's, there's it's movement in, in stillness, um, that, that it was capturing something that was happening. It wasn't a pause, like a, you know, a studio portrait that someone takes. And I think that even though you're taking portraits, they have that feeling of a moment where there was movement and there was sound. And maybe because I've been there Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen the curtains blowing across and I've seen the backdrop, you know, trying to yeah, blowing up to the ceiling. It's like (laughs) scary sometimes, (laughs) but you know, and so this year I'm kind of, I'm going to plan to play with a little bit of that. And I, I'm, I talked to Austin and 
Uh, I'm going to put some eyelets in the ceiling and hang it from from cords so that oh, right on. I, I won't have the stands that'll be in the way. Yeah. Um, Mm. And, all right, I'll, ta- I'll I'll nerd out a little. bit. I'll kind of tell you what I'm what my what I'm planning. Yeah, yeah um, scoop. Nice. Yeah, so here's here's a scoop. Yeah, here's a scoop. Because um, one of the things that I wanted to play with in kind of expanding what we can do, and I've done it a couple of times at some of the other events that I was doing. Um, I would set up two different lighting setups that the positions overlap and have different effects, and then I would put mm. the two different lighting setups on a channel, and each channel just i could switch at the camera so i could shoot them one style and then i could flip that switch and i could shoot them another style mm-hmm. so that you would get a variety of pictures from the same position the same outfit things like that just kind of more as a technical thing because i might look at somebody and be like oh this setup will look better for them so i'll switch to mm-hmm. this um and so at maker camp i was thinking kind of if you imagine um a square where two sides are background so like one background is going to be white and the other one will be like the dark gray or black so those Mm -hmm. will be perpendicular to each other at a corner Mm -hmm. and then facing the white background i'm going to have a a big silk hanging from the the wall Mm -hmm. and then bang an umbrella through that so it'll be like a really big broad um flat source Mm -hmm. um so that'll be if I'm shooting on the white background, that's my plan is to have that, which is kind of more of like a flat fashion look. Right. Um, and then the other one, if I move to the other 90 degrees, then I'll have a hard light going across the black. So it'll be a little bit more resemble a little bit more of what I have previously. Mm. Um, but with that silk, I could also have you stand in front of the silk and then shoot you where the light wraps around you instead. So more oh, of like right a silhouette on. kind of thing or an edge. So it's actually kind of three possible lighting scenarios in one space. Mm-hmm. So that's, nice. that's, that's the, that's the kind of the high wire act I want to walk this year. So this is awesome. as a challenge and something fun for people to, to see and different looks. So, so, so the two walls are like an open book standing up, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, two books facing each other kind of. So the lighting on one corner and the next side and then two backgrounds on opposing sides right and then the and then the the silk where you could stand so that's like you got three sides of the of the box that's cool yeah, yeah that's great yeah. and then that also like um there's i guess so the the first year that we went in 2021 you were mm-hmm. on the corner of that um the pavilion so the you pavilion. had like yep. uh-huh. yeah you had like a sheet hanging on the right and then you had yeah, that was the backdrop bounce. behind it yeah right mm-hmm. um and so with those two, it created a little like, and then you had something on the left as well, I think. Um, maybe there was just something there, like one of the wall control things or something. But um, Oh, yeah, maybe. Uh-huh. It created a little bit of a studio. Um, uh-huh. And then last year when we went, you had kind of the backdrop. You had a similar type of thing, but it wasn't as much of a studio feel. And I don't, like, it didn't affect the pictures. They were fabulous both times. But um but I think it was kind of it was it was cool to have these different feels each year. So now I think you know it'll almost have that sense of being like in a little mini studio where you have these like yeah, different right. angles you can shoot, which is pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, and also I'm thinking about it. If 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 you have one backdrop and I'm facing you, and then if mm-hmm. I turn away from you immediately. I feel like I'm posing a little bit, mm-hmm. so I feel right. more self-conscious. So the nice thing about having those multiple backdrops is you just to go one side, just stay where you're looking, and then you you switch over, and then 
they might be have a weird sideways shot but if it were me standing there i wouldn't feel as i wouldn't feel as weird as if i'm posing which i think is probably if i would guess one of your main goals is to stop people from posing and loosen them up and like let's get candid and don't worry Mm -hmm. i'm not here to I'm not here to pose you. So if you can move around and shift, then they they feel comfortable even, you know, stay in the same direction. Right. And I, and I often have to tell people like, I'm like, I, I will tell them just straight up. I'm not going to pose you because yeah. I think posing, <laughs> right. it limits what that person considers they can do. And it also, it, it kind of, it puts my impression of how they should stand which is Mm -hmm. only my impression not how they really stand so if i if i'm giving you a direction like look this way or look that way it's really just a starting point because i know five shots after that is what i want but i want you to start here just as a way to kind of shake you up a little bit not necessarily i want you looking this direction even though sometimes i get a great shot that way but my intention is just to give you a starting point and then you can move from there but if, right. if I'm asking you to pose, it's not going to feel authentic to you. It's You're not going right. to stand the way you would normally stand. Your face, you're going to think about it too much. And so I really, I just have, I just have conversations with people. And sometimes if it's just me and there's only one or two other people, I can have some really deep conversations. But if there's a line of like 30 people, it's yeah. <laughs> a little bit faster. But I, I do try to have every person um, get as much as they want because I know everybody in that line, they're just going to be hanging out anyway, having a fire, having a beer, whatever it is. And they've just chosen to, to hang out there, which is great. Um, and cause I think that's the thing about maker camp is everyone is just the community and talking to each other and sharing information and catching up with mm-hmm. old friends. And, um, so it's, I, I do try to go as fast as I can, but I also want everybody to feel like I've appreciated their time to, to come and and share something with us. I think um, one of the things that I really enjoy about uh, Maker Camp is like what you were saying. It's that like seeing old friends. And I think the the more like now when I wait in line and I get up there and I can chat with you and then get a picture, like mm-hmm. it feels like it's my chance to chat with you, right? See an old friend. And I think right. the more the more people do that, the more comfortable we get. Because you know, I would say from the from the person being photographed, kind of like you want a little because you're like you're now on stage quote unquote. Right. So you're like, you want a little direction to know that you're doing the right thing. Cause you're like, okay, right. do I stand with my hands in my pockets? Do I like, what do I do with my arms? You know, it's like, it's that whole being self-conscious about the way you look, but I think that's the conversation that you well, have. It's also, the more it's not you know something people. That, yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not something that like not every day people are going to have a photo shoot. So they're not very practiced at it, right, which yeah. is good because if I'm shooting a model, she knows, or he knows whatever, his or her good poses are so they'll continually hit those eight or ten different stances Mm -hmm. whereas if i'm just having a conversation and we're actually genuinely catching up Mm -hmm. then there's that that moment of anticipation and excitement and uh calmness and you just try and capture these moments um Mm -hmm. and so it really becomes honestly just me also meeting everybody there it's it gives me a great opportunity to meet every single person and give them a context that uh, makes it acceptable. So it's not like I'm sitting at a bus stop, like bothering a stranger wanting to talk to him because <laughs> it's, it's just, you know, everybody has such great stories and we haven't seen each other for a year. So it's really great to catch up. Yeah. That's awesome. I do. I do think you have a good, like obviously an eye for the, the, 
the right thing, you know? So as you're like, once you get into it and you get people kind of, okay, we'll look this way. And then, you know, then it, you warm up and a couple of pictures later, they're, they're warm. I remember one of the things I did the first year was I, I had my safety glasses on and I like had them up on my head and I put them on my face or one, one, one way or the other. And you, and you liked the, 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 like, I think the position of me grabbing them and moving them. So you were like, well, right. try, try moving them. Right. So I like did that. And then you got that picture. And, and I think, again, that captured a moment of movement in a still photo. Like, so there was like that action there that you were capturing. So like a little bit of that type of guidance, I think does, um, it helps of course. Right. But it yeah, was still, right, sure. it seemed like a candid thing. Cause it was something that I like that look is probably something the way I look, hundred times a day when I'm putting my safety glasses on and off, on and off, on and off, you know, when I'm in the shop. So it's like, mm -hmm. right. That's yeah, that was, it was like a good, a good amount of direction without, without posing the picture. Right? Yeah. I don't want to be intrusive there. Right. Yeah. 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 And I, I think equally people don't, they don't want to think they're posing or I'm just, that's, that's how I would think. Because the second I start posing and touching my hat and doing this and, like, giving, like, little cheeky smiles, I'm like, I'm hamming it up too much. Like, I don't think right. this is what this is about. I'm not going to hand this but, out. But, I mean, I think sometimes, like, sometimes that can lead to something. Okay. Um, yeah. Or it, you know, someone's doing something. If they're cheesing it up, sometimes maybe that's their personality. Maybe they enjoy those kinds of behaviors or activities. Yeah, that's true. And um, a lot of times people will ask me, hey, can you do that? Can I do this? And I'm and I, I'm willing to let anybody do whatever they want because it's it's a picture for them. Right. Um, but sometimes it's um, it is it is some sometimes funny when because we all see ourselves in a certain way. So mm -hmm. in general, that's you know straight on because we're used to seeing ourselves in a mirror, mm -hmm. and then we're like, oh, my left eye drops or my my lip does this, and and really we're the only person in the world that sees that, mm. and yet. Um, no matter who you are, no matter how famous you are, there's always something that you see in your own pictures. And it, it is kind of interesting having those discussions with people. And, um, it, I don't know, it's just, we're all humans. It's all, it's such great, uh, interaction with people just to find out what they love about themselves, what they're passionate about. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, this is a great shot, but, but my lip is just a little bit turned down and then someone else will see it and they're like, Oh, you look amazing. And they don't even see that. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Exactly. I was just going to say that it's like when it's the worst, it's the best one. Well, no, it's the worst feeling when you're like, you see a picture and you're like, Oh man, I look, this is horrible. And no one's like, no, that's, that's good. That's how you look. You're like, ah, <laughs> really? <laughs> that's me? No, that's that's it. That's a good. That's a good angle. All right. Well, that is your good angle. But like you're saying, you want to, you want to, you want them to feel like, you want them to be happy with it because they have Absolutely. a little, and that you want it to be like, instead of going like, ah, oh, yeah, I hate the way I always feel weird about my ears, and I can see my ear too much, and then you yeah. shoot from a slightly different angle, and they're like, oh, I can't see that about myself which I love and thank you so much this is a beautiful I'm so happy with the image of myself in this and that's that's more important I think that you find that yeah, yeah. because I really you know I I take pictures because I love it and I'm I feel like everybody deserves to see something that's authentic to them that they recognize mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. that they're proud of um, and there's, there was a lot of times last year, last year felt like really emotional for, for everybody. Mm. Um, and just when, when you can really see how, 
how proud somebody is of themselves in their picture and not in a way that's like an ego thing, but more like they feel like it represents who they are or their family will represent, you know, it's just, mm. it's that special moment that is, is, you know, it's worth more than gold really. Yeah. Yeah. And I, go ahead, Dust. I, I was going to say one of the, one of the great things I think about the, the photographs that you take that, um, I think is uh, one of the looks that you, uh, it's something that you've kind of developed is that kind of gritty, um, like high detail, um, like it captures all the, the quote unquote imperfections, like Mm -hmm. really blatantly, obviously like all the wrinkles, all the, like, if you got dirt, anything, any spots, things like really pop. And it makes it like every, everything is so obvious that it feels super like, uh, you know, it's like, if you try to Photoshop a picture, you try to do a light that just kind of softens everything. Then one Mm -hmm. little blemish stands out. Right. But when you like, when you capture uh, the, the way that the, the, um, the filter is a thousand blemishes <laughs> in a such, yeah, such right. a way that yeah. everything is this like raw grit. It makes it's, it's like a picture of your like down to the bone, you know, like it's like everything is there and it's all like that much more specific to who you are. Is, like all the stuff is there. Is, is there a little bit of, um, what's, the, what's the percentage on, men and women who appreciate that <laughs> like guys at a maker camp thing they're gonna think right. they look like john wayne or something because yeah, look right. how right. well, the, well the, the the you know the blacksmiths always like to show up with coals soot on their faces and you know i think that looks awesome um and then you know like the woodworkers obviously they've got sawdust and it really just makes everything pop um i i think when i think that the overriding factor is just the energy in the photo mm-hmm. um and I started taking the black and whites because I feel like everybody looks great in a black and white and you can mm-hmm. show all the pictures together and they look, um, they, they have a, the same kind of tone. So you're not kind mm-hmm. of competing with different colors and outfits mm-hmm. and you're not, um, like say if somebody got a little bit of a sunburn, then you, they don't have a red face. So you don't really mm-hmm. maybe see that in that context. Right. And it just feels like it stands out in a way that is kind of, it feels not historic but it feels more real sometimes mm. than mm-hmm. than color because it's it kind of marks it more um as something you don't see every day mm. i was for that i had a um a film teacher who scolded one of my uh fellow um students because he kept doing things in black and white Mm-hmm. Um, as a style choice, he loved all the noir, all, anything like that, all the old movies. He loved it, and mm-hmm. in one now, his reasoning was, it's too easy because now this is for movies because mm-hmm. it's taking you out of reality. So anything from there on, you'll accept because it's you already know. Okay, this is this is different than reality because it's not even color. Yes. So I will accept your story going forward because I know right away or I'm in a mindset that this is something different. Do you think in photography, is there any bit of a, do you think it's a cheat at all to do black and white instead of color? Because it, it, it I mean, just visually it is pleasing and, mm-hmm. and you could just say that straight ahead is enough reason to use it. But do you think there's any, but you said it's even more real. What do you think? Well, I think, I think the, the main thing with, with any decision that you make in 
photography in this context, but in, in the arts and crafts and uh, whatever you're, you're making, um, you have to think about the intention of, of what you're doing and why you're doing it mm. and take away everything that doesn't contribute to that factor. Um, mm. And I feel like what I, what I wanted to do is I wanted to make something that, yes, it is kind of out of context. And so the black and white is an easy choice in that way. Um, but if it didn't work, then I wouldn't you continue using it. So I think right. just because um, when you get some, like some people have one style that they do, this is only one of, you know, thousands of things I take pictures of. So in all those other contexts, I'm solving different issues and different puzzles with different solutions. So sometimes color is the best choice for that. Sometimes right. black and white is the right choice for that. Right. Sometimes it's determined by an art director who's made aesthetic choices for where it's going to be placed in an ad, whether it's in a magazine or it's on a billboard or it's online and how that works on those different scales. So it's really just trying to find all the parts to solve the puzzle. And in this particular case, I think the black and white um, was the right choice. Just, and I, I think the, because every day people throw filters on their pictures and sometimes they'll throw a black and white filter on there, but it's simply taking a color picture and turning it black and white where I'm doing everything mm -hmm. from the beginning to the end with the factors contributing to the final black and white result. Mm -hmm. So the way I light, the way I have the recipes in the computer, all of those things are adding on to each other in a, in an effect that couldn't be one without any of the other pieces. Mm. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's very useful to be an effect snob anyway, or a color snob, right? Like, just because whatever the newest technology is being used doesn't mean we have to use it. Like, black and white looked good for so many years because that's all we had, but right. it does. There's there's definitely a special quality to it, and it's kind of like what like what's the 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 builder ver like if it looks straight, it is straight. Yeah, Sometimes, right, like yeah, if, sure. if the if right. the photo looks good, it is good. Like the final product, whatever you did to it, whether right. someone thinks it's cheating or not, if people are pleased with it, then it then it is good. Right, and I I mean, and I take just as many color pictures, um, and I love color just as well, but for different reasons. Yeah, and it's just a different flavor. Um, yeah, I think what like. I think what you hit on, which was important, were two things. One, that, like, you're you're doing what's needed for the picture, right? So um, if if you know that the, that the viewer will enjoy the portrait better if it's shot in a certain way, then that should be your goal, to that you produce something that the person who the port who's the portrait's being taken of is going to enjoy the portrait, right? So I think that's really important. It's important first to think of the the end goal, right? What's your end goal? What's most important? And and the other things shouldn't come into play at least as much. Um, right. And I think the second thing is like what your intention is is important. So uh, if you're if you intend to take black and white pictures, then you're taking black and white pictures from the beginning, right? And that, like you said, you've set it up everything, everything that you're mm -hmm. planning. Like right. you're just telling us about having the white background and the dark gray background, and then the screen and the, you know the silk and all that. You're planning ahead. All these things, all these decisions you're making are your intention to take black and white photographs. Yes. So like uh -huh. you know that's all going into it. So I think those are like both really important things. What's your end goal, and then what's the beginning, right? Like how do you start? And I, you know, if it's again, like I think also what Devin said, I think if you're coming away with something that is um, 
you know, if it, if it looks good at the end, then the goal is like that intention, right? Is to come away with a piece of artwork that can stand alone in itself. Mm. Um, right. And, and yeah. I think, I mean, I think everyone gets used to seeing them as like the profile pics and things like that. My favorite way to see my photography is at a large scale. So mm. I love to get and give, you know, if I have whatever I'm sh- shooting or printing, I, you know, my default size is 20 by 30. And that's yeah, where nice. I'm like, I, I consider that as a small print for me. Cause I think, <laughs> um, and I, I, there were a couple of makers, um, that, um, <clears throat> so we had on, as on a panel discussion last year yep. with, um, the full blast podcast. Yep. And so we had, um, we had Keith decent, we had uh, Lee Arapach, we had Andrew DeLeon and we had, uh, Joshua Prince. Joshua Prince. Yep. Um, and, uh, in after after we um had done the the panel and everything i had taken a selection of the some of the pictures that were my favorite pictures that i had taken of them um and i sent them prints and Mm. one of the things that i did was i made sure that i would i sent them large prints the 20 by 30s and like would send them at least one of the prints was a really tight shot of their faces Mm. because as my own sense of humor i wanted to giggle knowing that at some point people would walk into their houses and be like, why do you have a giant picture of yourself? (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's really cool. I think they look great as, as just as art too. So it's like, you know, you put it in your shop and, and you know, you could look at that picture and remember maker camp um, and just the support that you have within the community, or it can just be like a vanity piece and you're like, Oh, I think I look really good. And I want to show this off to people. Right. Right. Yeah. You don't, you don't hang your portrait above your bed. Like I think you're the, <laughs> I, I hang all my portraits above my bed. <laughs> <laughs> just of yourself. You test, yeah, you just, test it's the all studio setups me. on yourself first. Everybody in your crew identifies as either big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah. All those self-portraits. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's good, though, because like what you said, you know, the, the pieces are doing two things, right? They're... I think you're capturing something in the photograph that makes us feel really good about ourselves. And so we like, Oh, this, I want to throw this picture up because it, it looks good. It's, you know, selfishly, I feel I look like I look good in that picture, but then also it's the memory of that happening. Right. It's, yeah, absolutely. like any, any photograph, it's like, oh, that's when I was hanging out. And I remember this conversation with Mark. And then right before I was talking to Chris Zepp. And before that, I was talking to, you know, John from the Tradesman Channel. You know, it's like all those things just like go back through your head. Jim. It's like caption. Yeah, Jim. <laughs> <Sorry>. ah, see, <laughs> see, I got a name right. Mark, uh, last yeah. week, I'm, I'm traditionally... Uh, traditionally, I am. I'm bad with names. So last week, uh-huh. Dustin quizzed me on a. He's. Like, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to give you Instagram handles, and you tell me who they are. Tell me their full names, <laughs> and that is just torture for me because I have love for these people, but I cannot remember their names. So I feel so bad. So there you go, Dustin. You messed it up. I got one. I win this week. <laughs> I mean, I think the community is so large, um, and everybody has yeah you know, such such a variety of. For me, I think the I always tell people 
I can either remember your name, your Instagram, or your email, but I can't remember all three. Yeah, and <laughs> just because there's such a variety. And sometimes yeah. their Instagram handle has nothing to do with anything close to their name. Right. And so then it's impossible to link that. And then sometimes I'll just like whatever the name, for whatever reason, just stands out. Um, but I always yeah. will remember a face. And if I've shot you, but you'll have to give me a little bit of patience on remembering every single name of the 500 makers I shoot. <laughs> right, for sure. I will give you a little slack on that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so I want, let me hit you with a few quick, like give me your lightning answer to these photography questions. Okay. And then, then we, I want to move on. We should move on to some motorcycle stuff. Mm. I want to chat about that. All right. Okay. It's uh, uh, this, I was thinking about today. I think that 99 out of a hundred couples would choose photography over videography for their weddings. Do you Ooh. agree with that? Mm. And, and what do you think? Oh, wow. I mean, if they if they got their wedding as like five-second reels, I think they would probably take the video these days. Mm. <laughs> um, but they can do that. They'll have friends do that anyway now. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's just such a – It's a, that's a – yeah. Uh, obviously, I'm going to love the still photography answer, but – these days, I just don't know. Thus, mm. what do you think? I mean, I mean, I know a lot of people will try to have both. Yeah. So, but like, when's the last time you had to sit through a wedding video? I know yeah, exactly. Right. They're pointless. <laughs> I mean, the I photos, think the photos last. The videos do not. I mean, you you might show them to right. kids, but the photos. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be great for like to show yeah, the kids. The photos years, will but. go in your house. The photos will go on your Instagram, probably be your profile picture mm -hmm. until you get divorced. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, th I think it's yeah. just such a big, it's, I think it's just a longer lasting format for that type of event. Mm -hmm. I yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah you might be right. I hope you are. I mean. Yeah, I think, but not that I want to put videographers out of work. But <laughs> now you I mean, can put I think, you can put the wedding ones out. It's okay. I think <laughs> that when you know, like when I think about wedding videos, I think about the bloopers. You know, that's that's what right. we see the most. It's like, oh, this is where they threw the yeah. bouquet and it went into the fireplace. Right. That's the only time you, know? you see them is when the drunk aunt right. falls through the table. Then you're like, yeah, oh, that was right, good. exactly. That was worth but, it. But the photographs, again, are capturing a moment. So someone sees the picture of themselves and then it takes them back. And then their memories of all the good stuff. You know, so it's like, oh, this is, it obviously you get the pose, like, you know, it's all get together, the, the husband and wife, they get those pictures and all, but then just the, like, the party. And so, you know, you're, we love to forget all the, like, the awkward moments and just remember all the fun <laughs> stuff, you know, like, so I think that lets us, lets us do that. Okay. All right. Next one. Mm -hmm. How do you capture a landscape or, um, uh, or, or anything still any still format a landscape architecture okay. these things how do you capture something beautiful that is already like the chrysler building or a mountain range is already beautiful so how do you shoot that what are you looking for to capture something like that how can you improve on that i, th I feel like that's such a hard task people i can understand but something that's already a finished product how do you make that look good um, well, I think I think in that point you've really got to just look at the lighting, and what kind of lighting emphasizes the things that you feel. Like, what mm -hmm. are you looking at? 
like say in the Chrysler building, is it a side light that really pushes out the elements, the architecture? Is it backlit? Does that show the shape of the overall? Is that important to you? Because um, if as you walk around the Chrysler building, you're going to see the light come at it from all the different angles. And that, since it has such a scale, it's sometimes easier to shoot the details as well as a as an overall, just to be able right. to tell the story that... And that allows you to, like we said, get closer to fill the frame, really focus on what those details are, but how those details are shown by the light that surrounds it is really the more important part. What about landscape? Uh, same thing. So, like, you know, do you want the mountain to be front lit or do you want the mountain to be backlit and have the sun rise up over the top of it? Um, or, you know, with waterfalls, like, say, if it's a time of, of light where there's a little, where it's soft enough that you can do a long exposure and then you can kind of drag the shutter a little bit, get some of the movement in the water. And that really, that adds an element of right, storytelling. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. Dust. What do you think as a painter? Right. So you can, you have more room to interpret and mm. change and, and put your own spin on it. How, yeah. how do you, how do you improve on, on, on like an Appalachian mountain range? So in my experience, like the, the whole, like the, the the photo the the difference between photograph and landscape painting for what I like is that there's um that there is that moment of interpretation so I have some time to consider what I'm what I'm painting I have uh, you know like I I wouldn't want to so like I I wouldn't necessarily paint like a crazy beautiful orange sunset because I feel like it in the moment is a is a quick moment that's hard to capture in something like a painting or a photograph like maybe i think a photograph would be better at it um but in a painting i want to capture it's like so composition you know i'm looking at what what i'm composing and then how i can move the how can I, how can i uh how can i control the viewer's experience so i want to create a story or a pathway that happens in my painting so you know if the person is if there's something happening in the bottom right and then i'll lead their eye up with colors and movement and and objects so it moves up and you know up into the sky and then around and back down into something so i'm kind of creating this composition that that tells a story and keeps the viewer inside of it um one of the things that you know, I tell some of my students when they're doing drawings or doing work and they, they have something that's like a, a, a line that cuts across the paper and goes off the edge. You know, that's that's just a, a quick way to have the viewer's eye move off of your paper and then go to the next piece of artwork. So things like that, you know, how do you how do you change and how do you how do you create an experience? So I think that's what I'm looking for. So it's not necessarily exactly i'm not trying to capture exactly what i see i'm trying to take what i see and use that to make an experience within the boundaries of the rectangle that i'm painting on mm. so okay. it's more about like and I'll, I'll bring in you know i'll bring a bush in that's not in the painting and i'll put something there that that will like anchor the bottom corner or i'll move you know if there's a a weird fence post that doesn't seem right in my own you know, idea of what the painting would be, then I'll just get rid of it, right. you know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'll do some selective editing to make sure that, that the final composition is a, is a piece in itself. Yeah. And now, now with AI, you can do that for photographs too. <laughs> Remove the post in the foreground, please. Um, okay. What, one, one more. Um, mm -hmm. This is a very broad question. Uh, what makes an interesting or compelling photo? 
why I, obviously that's subjective. That's and, I mean that oh I mean right, could, right. couldn't be broader. I know, I know. <laughs> so what to you mm-hmm. what's the difference between a boring and an interesting photo? And obviously like I said everyone's perspective is different. And sometimes you don't you don't know technically why but you feel it. Well, I think that's I think that really the feeling is the most important part. Mm-hmm. So, I think if mm-hmm. you see a picture that creates a feeling in you then i think it's a, a successful picture yeah whether it's because sometimes you'll f- see something and you really feel moved by it and but then you were look if you were to look at it from a different perspective you're like oh it's not quite technically as strong as it could be but it as long as it really captures that energy then i think it's it's gonna stand the test of time mm. yeah that's a. Uh as they would say on Family Feud, good answer, good answer. <laughs> um, okay. Now, a nice transition. I was looking through your different uh, stuff on your website. Obviously, I know all the, the portraits. But one mm-hmm. set of photos I really liked was your um, gas tank motorcycle photos. Oh, okay. Yeah. Really uh-huh. cool. Really great, Thank obviously. And, and that is a beautiful use of color. There was also another photo you do you do these great um uh motorcycle meetups and you shoot those mm-hmm. it's right. a uh-huh. is a picture of a the front of a honda or something with one number taped over and then the other two it's like this great oh oh um yeah those are most likely those are from um the AMA vintage days yeah so in ohio in july they have uh the american motorcycle association vintage motorcycle days at yeah. uh, mid ohio race course yeah and it's you know three or four or five days of anything vintage motorcycles. So you've got road racing, you've got motocross, you've got trials, you've got demos. I think you've got one of the largest swap meets in the Midwest. Mm. You've got um, after hours activities, um, some campground racing. They've got like pit bike racing. So they've got like little tiny bikes. (laughs) Yeah. One year it was just like, the huge muddy field and it was they had you know all the course all marked out and everything and by the end of it people were more mud than person it was <laughs> insane <crazy>. yeah um <laughs> and could, so th- that's probably i think it was probably from one of those yeah could there where, be a better <clears throat> subject to shoot like all different <laughs> things mechanical like just the form of the bikes alone <laughs> if you can figure out a way to capture that like they are they are they are works of arts, but okay. I'm looking at it now. It's, it's a Suzuki shot. It's like red, mm-hmm. white, and blue, straight on. Yep, really great. Yeah, that but, was from Vintage Days, one of the road racing courses. Yeah, it's one of those weird things. Where, like I was saying, for some reasons, th- certain things capture you. Now the tanks. Where'd you get all the different gas tanks? Because they are beat up. They're really cool, and and it, it's it's great to see all the different ones lined up. But where, where do you get all those? Um. Well, so that happened when I was um a just moved to Cleveland probably, you know, four months, six months before. And, uh, I came to Cleveland because I was on a cross country motorcycle trip, um, for about four months camping off the back of my bike. Uh, basically just looking for a new place to move to. I was tired living in California and I decided to ride across America and kind of look to see what place called to me. And, uh, I needed to change out a clutch and, uh, I found online that there was this place called Skidmark Garage in Cleveland, and you could rent uh, either, you know, by the hour, by the month, by the by the year. Um, so I just had my part shipped there, and then I went in there and changed my clutch out, and uh, fell in love with with Cleveland. 
Mm. So you would any something cool that would come in and catch your eye, you take a photo of it. Well, no, in that particular case, I'm trying to remember. I think I think it was because um, I know that uh, Bear from um, Old Bike Barn, which uh, does uh, a lot of uh, vintage Japanese uh, bike parts. Um, like seals, gaskets, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, rice powdery motorcycles, I think they were cleaning out a space that they had been for decades and were moving to a new space and wanted to know if we wanted um, to come down and, and get some stuff for the garage. Um, because part of the community garage aspect of it is it is a community. And so like if you need you know, parts or if you need help working on your bike, you know, there's always usually somebody there. Um, that can either tell you where to get parts or they can help you, you know, hold a tire in place where you're doing something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had, they had donated a bunch of stuff and a huge collection of that was like 30, 30 motorcycle tanks that ended up being hanging, hanging on a wall as just a wall display. Yeah. And, uh, but before they did that, I was like, Oh, you know what? I should just take this opportunity to take a picture because each one of these tanks has lived a life and all these dents and scratches and paint and everything. They tell a story and I think it would be really cool to, to record that. And so then I thought, you know, as what I wanted to show, how I wanted to light it, um, and how I wanted to show all the colors. So in that particular case, color is, was the obvious choice. And then Mm -hmm. just trying to light it so that it showed, the various you know dimples and scratches but didn't wasn't too overpowering but kind of gave the viewer all the details yeah mm. no it's great and they're kind of they look like uh, little robot faces <laughs> right <laughs> and they, they've got a lot of personality just by just by seeing what they're right doing. no it's and I, great. I really wish i could go back and ask like the owners like what was this dent from or right. this like you know was was this a really big crash or was this you know just a, a drop in the garage kind of thing yeah no it's great <laughs> You know, yeah, that, that type of stuff, that eye for something like that is, is, uh, that's why you do what you do. When I, um, and I mean, and those couldn't be any different, any more different than portraits because still life it, is such right. a different medium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's just, yeah, you found the right thing. Yeah. I, I love them. They're great. Thank you. I have, um, my, uh, the first time I rode a motorcycle, um, when I was older, cause we rode like mini bikes and stuff when we were little, but, um, I got a, when I was just out of college, I got a Honda CB 500, uh, 1976. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, I brought it, I went out to Frederick, Maryland, picked it up and brought it back to my parents' house and I was working on it and cleaning it up and stuff. And, um, I hadn't, I didn't get my, I hadn't gotten my license yet or I hadn't gotten, you know, finished my class for motorcycle. Um, sure. and, but I was kind of like, just, just like kind of bring it around the property on my parents' house and I brought it and I like, I tried to stop and I hit the wrong, like I hit the front brake instead of the back brake in the grass and just like uh, the, the wheel out, slipped yeah. out and I just like f- dropped the bike over. And I'm like, I don't even have my license yet. Like fortunately nothing big happened, but you know, I can imagine right. that that's like the story of like a dent in a tank. It's like, well, that's when I dropped it. Cause I didn't know what I was doing. And yeah. But, but even like, I mean, it's, it's, each bike is such a personal relationship with the rider mm-hmm. um, cuz you get on a bike and you either know you love it or you hate it in the first couple of minutes it's like mm-hmm. it's just so obvious and right. then you start to personalize it and you start to add different stuff to it or take different stuff away and it's it's like sometimes i feel like it, it's 
sometimes there's really much as an extension of you. And then other times it's just like an aspect of you. And then all of us in the garage, I don't think there's one person in there that doesn't have more than one motorcycle. Right. Um, and then is always wanting one more motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, so, right. <laughs> it just gives you different ways to explore the world too. So it's, you know, sometimes you want dirt, sometimes you want the street, sometimes you want long haul. So, um, but yeah. with, the, with the community garage, you can come in and you can talk to people about all the different riding that they do and the different kinds of bikes that they like or, you know, or a lot of times, you know, are they selling something? Yeah. And, you know, we'll have bikes go between members just because one person's maybe either changing sizes or they want to do something else. They want to buy another bike. And so mm-hmm. then they got to sell a bike to make space in the garage. Um, and that's that's a really great thing about Skidmark and also the other community garages around the country. Yeah, you're like, oh, you're you're lucky in the right place. All these people want to buy more motorcycles and you want to sell yes. one. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so when you uh you said you traveled from California uh-huh. moving across the country, when you left California, um did you so you, you traveled on a motorcycle, how like did you have motorcycles long before that or was that something that you did as a new thing to move across like to to decided um, to like take well, a motorcycle trip or uh well i had i'd purchased a motorcycle in my 20s mm-hmm. and i really only had it for like six months because then the weather changed and i had to go to college so i had to sell it and mm-hmm. <laughs> um but i fell in love with them when i was you know 16 and my parents were adamantly against me getting a motorcycle yeah. <laughs> um as you know, it's not unreasonable to be cautious about those things. Right. But I think with the proper gear and the and the appropriate training, you know, it's an acceptable risk. Um, and then, you know, went to college, got started working, and then I just I didn't have, you know, resources because I'm putting all my money into camera gear. Right. And, um, but then I got to a point where, I think I was even just like working in a studio. On some shoot and. One of my friends was uh, like managing it and was saying that he was looking to sell his bike and I a light went off and I'm like, that's the bike I want to buy. Like this is like it's fate. So yeah. <laughs> I'll buy it. So I ended up buying it. He had put um, I think twenty seven thousand miles on it when I bought it. And then oh, wow. I just I just put I'm up to I think the total on the bike, I think, is about sixty thousand eight hundred, something like that. Oh, wow. Right on. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and. It's like it's it still is a great bike. I was just riding it. Um, Skidmark actually put together an off-road ride this past weekend down in um, in the mid-Ohio area, right. um, where we rode like 300 miles off-road. So it was like 140 miles the first day and like 170 miles the second day, all oh, through like man. you know like farm farm roads, gravel roads, like forest right. roads, stuff like that. Um, and we camped. Uh, we we stayed at a hotel actually this time. Um, Ooh, went, right. And we had I think. <laughs> 20 20 people out there riding and um, four people making making food and you know Mm. set up the route and gps everything so uh we just you know brian from the garage set that up with molly and uh pat uh pam and um wilson uh they did a great job supporting it um but it's it's such a great way to see the country like i would never have gone on these like dirt farm roads just right. driving a car, I would be like, oh, why would I want to drive down this road? But on a motorcycle, I'm like, why not just spend more time on a motorcycle? Just stay yeah. out there on the roads. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Totally different approach. Where'd you put all the bikes when you guys stayed at the hotel? 
Oh, they're just all outside. It was like a motel, so it was like uh, all the doors okay. opened up to the parking lots, and I, it was just a small like twenty twenty room hotel. And I think we filled up the whole room, room that weekend. So how many? Um, how many? Um, how many? How many people did you say? Uh, there were. I think there were maybe eighteen people signed up to ride it, and then four or five people staffing it. Nice. That makes a lot more safe too, because one bike you might steal at eighteen. You're like. I don't know what's going on here, but I'm not messing <laughs> with them. <laughs> and they were all different kinds of bikes. Like they had a little like a Honda Monkey or like a Trail 70. Oh, nice. And then up to, you know, like a big uh, BMW 1250. Dang. Oh, that's great. Um, we did our own little um, our own little e-bike adventure this, yeah. <laughs> uh, two, two months ago, three months ago. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's a trail that goes from Maryland to PA. It's 40 miles, uh-huh. and we used to hike it as kids. We call it the hike and bike trail, and we would normally ride bicycles on it. And there's a um, river next yeah, it's to a it rail stuff. trail. Yeah, but we okay. had never done the whole thing. And then I, uh, me and my wife got e-bikes just to ride around because we're lazy now. Because um, <laughs> right. you're living living in Wally now. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. We zoom around, um, but. So we all, so one of my brothers had e-bikes and I let my other brother, brother borrow one and a friend of mine has one. So we did 20 miles each day and just stopped along the way on this trail. Uh-huh. And we, we had never seen, I had never seen most of the Pennsylvania section. And then we camped. No, no, we did the, no, I'm we sorry. Did 40 we did the whole, miles. Yeah, yeah, we did, we did the, did the whole, whole 40 miles and then, and then we camped out at the end. That was our own little, uh, Motorcycle, motorcycle trip, trip. yeah, <laughs> little e-bike trip. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's it's very similar in the fact that you're exposed to all the elements. You know, you're yeah. not you don't have the windows rolled up. You're not listening to music. It's um, you, everything you smell. Like I think that's the one thing that really uh, su- yeah. surprised me on my trip is if you ride by a skunk that's been hit on the road, you are going to smell that in your helmet for a good hour afterwards if you get enough in that helmet. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That, I will say the advantage of an e-bike, or I guess bicycling, a bicycling mm-hmm. trip, is you can still chat with people as you ride along. Mm-hmm. And I know yeah. if, if you got well, mics that's, and that's stuff. that's good and bad. Let me. Let me <laughs> <laughs> one of the other things I love about motorcycles is being alone on the road because it gives me time to <laughs> kind of recharge from, you know, like Maker Camp. Like Maker yeah, Camp is great, right. but, you know, that's every bit of energy i have for five days yeah and so oh, yeah, i need i need a couple of days of silence after that and uh, motorcycle be, trip's a great way to go you got to be kind of on the whole time dust and i would you know go back to the tent have some ramen right. sit, <laughs> breathe and then uh, we'll give it an hour and we'll go back <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's definitely one of those things i've thought about you know someone like like you right where you're you're in you're in the quote-unquote spotlight the whole time right there people are coming up talking to you you have then you have like the other the the bigger makers like jimmy deresta who people know him and recognize him so there's you don't have like a moment to just chill out and like where you can sit and relax but uh you know if that's what you're there for you know you want to get oh yeah and i drink i drink it in yeah no it's 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 like i said one of the one of the top two weekends of the year for me yeah yeah that's so awesome um so when you you came across uh from california to cleveland did you Uh like how did you hit any spots on the way before that that felt kind of right that you like might have considered stopping or like considering a new home for you no i i don't i don't think so um i mean i saw because i i left so i left san francisco 
rode down to LA, was in LA for a couple of days and then out to Vegas for another couple of days. Cause, and each one of these, I'm like, some of these I'm visiting friends and stuff. So that's why I would stay a little bit longer. Right. Um, but then I, you know, went down through New Mexico and then down along the border, um, then up through Texas and Oklahoma and Indiana and Missouri. And mm. it, it's such a, an amazing country that you can ride through and see and just, you know, six hours on a bike and you've, the landscape has changed so dramatically. Right. Um, and the food, it's just like, it's such, you know, when you're open to looking for a place, you, you like want to try everything. Um, but based on time, you only have a little bit limited amount of time. Um, so the, the advantage that Cleveland had was that I was riding a, an older BMW that I had to wait 10 days to get the parts shipped to from Germany. So <laughs> it gave me 10 days to ride around Ohio and explore Ohio at the same time and then come back to Cleveland and, you know, spend a week. Uh, it, it, it wasn't a week job to do. It was, you right. know, an afternoon job to change your clutch. But it ended up being a week of just hanging out with people and playing Catan and, um, you know, Frisbee <laughs> yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And just like... <laughs> Like really, just settling into a place and such an amazing group of people. That's cool. Yeah, because I was like, out of out of all the places in the country, you know, for you to end up at Cleveland and now consider that you know a home of yours, mm-hmm. you know, from from driving from California over, you know, I I could think of, and I haven't done this drive and I haven't been to all these places, but I can think of like you know a handful of places that to me would seem like more idyllic and more like a better place to land and stay, but it doesn't. But the place isn't what's important; it's the people, you know. It's yeah. it's the community. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think when I you know when I was on the bike riding, I was riding from place to place. Um, I mean, I had a little bit of a deadline because I had to get it done in the summer because mm-hmm. I wasn't going to ride in, in December in northern Canada. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think when you have, you know, you just meet great people and you don't have an expectation and you just accept whatever's coming, it, it's so much more um, authentic. Like you're not projecting what someplace should be. Because right. I, did, I didn't really know much about Cleveland um, other than what was in popular culture. I didn't know the neighborhoods. I didn't know, you know, the, the, the real history of it. Um, so I had no opinion, really good or bad. I just, you know, right. that was a place where the garage was and I was going to go to the garage. And um, that just led me to this amazing city. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Some things you just, yeah, you don't know until you get there and you feel it. And yeah. Uh-huh, you feel, for sure. feel at home. So you said you have, you still have that BMW. What's your other, what other bikes do you have? (laughs) Um, Well, so, so I got that BMW and then I decided I was going to take this trip that I was going to travel across America and I was going to need parts, obviously. Um, So what's the reasonable answer to this is you buy (laughs) Buy a second salvage (laughs) title one at auction (laughs) and then strip it down to all of its parts and put it in the labeled Ziploc bags on your friend's patio so he can send you any parts you need um, if you've got a trip. So technically, I have a second one of those. Um, in baggies. Uh, it's more, more in bins these days. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, my purpose is, uh, my intention is to repurpose it into like a, uh, less of an adventure bike to more of like a street lighter version of that. So mm-hmm. take a bunch of weight off, make it a single seat instead of a double seat. Um, and 
you know, smaller tires, a little bit more uh, street oriented as opposed to the adventure bike, which has a big front front tire. Right. Um, And then I've got my other running bike to start with is a (laughs) Honda CRF 250L, which I have in in Portland because I split my time between Portland and and Ohio and Cleveland. Okay. Um, And so that one's in Portland and that's kind of my really, that's my light dual sport bike. So that one is great for fire roads and great for going up and down the the coast road, but it's Uh, not really great for like your four lane highway at 85 miles an hour because it pins out at like 74 miles an hour. (laughs) Um, And then I've got a 91 uh, BMW K100 LT that I'm kind of chopping into a street traffic tracker and then there's like an 82 Goldwing that's going to suffer the same fate so straighter (laughs) bars single seat um all the extra body work pulled off um and then in february this year i bought a honda uh, gb 500 tt which was like a two-year only import into the u.s inspired by the uh the japan or the the british racing bikes so honda made their own kind of retro bike like unfortunately it was like a decade before maybe 15 years before the retro phase kind of really hit Mm -hmm. so they didn't sell a lot of them in the states so it was kind of a rare bike to find um it's got it's i think it's under four thousand miles on it oh nice um and then so what what year is that is that like uh, that one's 89 90 okay yeah it was the years that came out yeah um and then just today <laughs> i <laughs> i found another bike and this was really just um to, to to go it's really just a training bike for me um something i'm gonna it's really a light bike it's a 230 uh kawasaki it's a 2020 um it has nice. some mechanical issues and it has a, you know it's been beat up a little bit so i'll take it to skid and i'll you know pull it apart and fix everything and then that'll be kind of my training bike where i'll practice uh more handling on off dirt in the mud and um uh, a rocky terrain as opposed to my bigger bike which is a lot heavier and a lot more expensive to fix so this is yeah, a, a right. cheaper option um plus i can ride it around farms and stuff like that and it's just a light easy you know basically like a large kids dirt bike yeah yeah it's maybe it's a little bit undersized for me but it'll be fun to play around on uh, that's awesome <laughs> what what did you use on this last uh this trail ride that you did this week or last week. off road, yeah. Uh, the the last one was the uh, the same bike that I rode across the U.S. on. So that was a F six fifty GS Dakar, and that's a nice. BMW from two thousand seven. Um, and it's it's a good bike for everything. It's not a great bike for anything. Yeah, but, right. <laughs> um, Mass yeah, jack of all trades. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> right. So it has to make the sacrifices. I mean, it's, and I, you know, I was. Like I said, I lived off it for four months, so I put a lot of miles on it. Um, and I never had a problem with it, never had any complaints about it. Um, but when you get it on dirt, it, to me, it doesn't feel as agile or as as well-balanced as some of the other bikes I've been on. Right, yeah. The car. Yeah, is that that is that after the uh, the famous race? Uh, yeah, it is. Uh-huh. Okay, yep. yeah. I, I recently, the last uh, Dakar rally they had, 
on on YouTube was I, I fell into a rabbit hole and watched like every day of their recaps. They, they had like <laughs> oh, live right. stuff, but I was like, I was like, give me the twenty minute recap of the best stuff. Right, it's day. a lot to watch live for <laughs> right, sure. Right. <laughs> give me the twenty minutes where the helicopters followed them and they're like they're jumping the dunes because they know a helicopter's near them. You know, like right, you got to show them a little bit. Oh, it was great. Some great, <laughs> great, great uh, content. Uh, Mark, do you know the um, do you know the a couple different uh, documentaries called what's it Devin? There's like Long Way Down. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, Way no, yeah. very familiar. Yep, yeah, watched yeah. them all. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, Devin, I tried. Devin yeah, I tried to turn it, Dustin yeah. on to him. Yeah, I've, I've watched. I've watched most of the or some of the the first one, like Long Way Down or whatever, where they're going from the states down to South America. Is that what it is? Something like that. Right? that that's the second one. Yeah. I think. yeah. Uh, okay. Down was England, Scotland to. Uh, oh no, South down America. was Africa to Africa, and then South America was the electric one that they just long, did. Uh, yeah, long right. way up maybe, and the long uh, way around was the first one. That's where they went from. Oh, like, long way to, right, right. Uh, maybe that's the America. one I'm thinking of. Long way around. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think that's the best one. Um, I agree. Uh, yeah. I agree. Because it just felt so pure, and like the other ones, obviously they're they're doing it again, so it's yeah, yeah. something they've got more experience on. But the, I like the naive naivete that the first one has. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, I I agree for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's those are sweet. What's uh, they have BMWs as well. Those is that similar uh-huh. to like yep. the type of bike you have? That's a. I mean, it, it is. The, it is exactly, but it's okay. not the same bike. Um, right. There's, I think, was a twelve hundred or eleven hundred. I can't remember. Um, mine's a six fifty. So mine's a single gotcha. cylinder as opposed to either the uh, parallel twin or the horizontally opposed twin. Gotcha. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. It's. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's a, another couple of motors that they have now that because now they've got like the sixteen hundred and the eighteen hundred. Um, right. and then they make all the way down to you know, an electric scooter, I think. And then a 300, 310 <laughs> nice. is their, their biggest small bike. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it is one of those and it's, uh, man, once you, once you get bit by it, you're, you keep going down that road and you always need another one. <laughs> I will yeah, say it they, was cool. The, the last one they did with the e-bikes was cool because they, they did have to find and stop at places they wouldn't have normally done. Which was a good right. twist. Mm. Yeah, just because yeah. of the range. I mean, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> right, they're like, yeah. oh, well, we're out. And they would get pulled by the Rivians. Uh, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, I, I have fond memories of the second one because I think it was the second one. Mm, no, maybe it was the e-bike. I think, when did the e-bike one come out? Like three years ago? Four years no, it's like two or three years. Yeah, it's it's, okay. it's the most recent one. Yeah. Okay, so like it must have been three because my daughter's three, and mm-hmm. when we were in the hospital, that's what I watched on the laptop when oh, we ran, okay. when we ran out of like Golden Girls episodes on the TV. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there with with Maeve in my arms and watching uh, that. That was good good memories. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, all right. Uh, well, Mark, um, when we have guests on which uh we we do often um one of the things so i think back sometimes of the first uh the very first podcast we ever did and it was devin's idea to for us to tell disaster stories on that first podcast and basically talk about something that we did at some point in making that just failed um and we thought that was fun because it kind of everyone sees uh what we do 
on Instagram and you see all the end things and they're all edited and they all look easy and good and great. And, but you know, along the way, there's just like, we all have these failures that either get, you know, help us become better makers, but also, uh, you know, make us all, uh, kind of bring us all into the same level, right? Everyone, everyone has to go through a journey of, of learning and failing to get better. Um, so we love to ask our guests a disaster story to, to bring us all into the same level as makers. So do you have a, uh, you have a disaster story for us? Uh, I mean, I have, I have a story that has a disaster in it. Okay. Um, <laughs> but it also has, Redemption and overcoming and triumphant. Oh, right? so, oh, so you've nice. got the the chariot, the chariots of fire music yeah. playing in the background. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Give it to us. <laughs> well, so so for the last couple of years until uh, I finished it actually last September. Um, so before last Maker Camp, I'd been remodeling my childhood home for like three years, oh, cool. uh, which is perfect pandemic timing because it was uh, largely solo a lot of those days. Mm, yeah. Um, well, since the house was built in 1940 and it had uh, mm. kind of red and white oak, it had some, you know, some areas that needed to be patched. It had some areas that had to be, um, that had never had hardwood in it. So I had to mm. salvage, find salvaged hardwood. I was able to find a store in Portland and then also one in Tacoma that sells architectural salvage. Um, just like RBX in Cleveland, mm-hmm. um, where they go into, you know, have vendors that go into old homes and take out you know flooring and molding and mantles and all that kind of yeah. stuff and then yeah, resell yeah. it to recycle it and keep it out of the landfills uh more importantly mm-hmm. um but so two of the rooms didn't have um hardwood flooring so i it was important to me to have it all the exact same vintage to match all the floor from the the other house and so that's why it took me a while to gather all the material because mm. you need a you need the percentage of excess you need some that you know, it's going to be scrapped cut short because it's got to go into a closet any of that kind of stuff right um and so i was putting a lot of time into this <clears throat> and the thing that i because i'd never installed hardwood floor before i'd never refinished hardwood floor but since it needed to be done much like all the makers you need to find something out you go to youtube and you watch some channels and you're like oh i can do that (laughs) and so um once i got all the material and got it installed which took an unbelievable amount of time um because all the wood is um it's slightly different thicknesses because it's been Mm -hmm. probably the houses have been refinished um it also is just pulled out it's not cleaned up so i had to take a a dirty chip chisel and kind of run it on all the side edges to knock off all the stain and the dirt and the grit and whatever to Mm -hmm. make it so that it would nest in with the next piece. And I was able to, I found just randomly in a secondhand store, um, like a one inch rabbit plane Mm -hmm. and just, and I just liked the way it looked. And I bought that like six months before I hadn't even planned on using it, but I got to tell you, if you were installing salvage hardwood floor, a small rabbit plane will be a lifesaver for you. Um, because Dude, I think it was a Stanley 93. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause there's always going to need something that needs just a little bit of touch up. Yeah. Um, and so I had installed that and then I installed some patches where cabinets had changed, moved places in the, in the remodel. I was putting a new cabinet. So I had to patch four pieces that didn't have hardwood floor and all that. Um, and then the next step was sanding, which, if anybody was doing it in the early pandemic, 
finding the grits of sandpaper you needed was a <laughs> huge pain in the ass on that scale. Um, and so sometimes you had to skip a grit, which made things difficult. Um, so you have to kind of plan yourself strategically. Like, do I want to wait another month to see if they come up with an 80 grit? Cause mm. now I'm going from like 36 to 120, and that's mm. not going to work. <laughs> so I need some middle grits in there. Um, and so I had about 2000 square feet of hardwood that I had to sand. So, mm. um, you know, it took me, I mean, one person doing this for the first time, you know, trying to yeah. do it the right way. Mm -hmm. Um, it took me weeks to do this mm -hmm. and, um, I was experimenting with a product cause I really liked the way it was a finish. Um, cause I don't like, I really hate poly on floors I, mm. it just feels plasticky to me and i really like right. to just walk barefoot and i like to feel the wood mm. and so mm -hmm. um i decided to use the rubio monocoat as the floor sealer um and i went with you know they have all the sample bottles and i got like 20 different sample sizes so i made all the samples out and i yeah. found one that i liked um and aesthetically i went with it was a percentage of white i don't remember whether it was like 15 percent white um but i used that because it decrease the grain contrast in the field of the wood but then it also helped bridge the differences between the white oak and the red oak mm, so gotcha. then the, the floor had a more unified feel mm -hmm. and i was like oh this is great you know sand 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 and then i you know hit it with uh you know a, like a palm sander at like 220 Oof. and maybe you know get it up to like 300 and so it's, you know, it's nice and smooth and I wipe it down and I, I vacuum it and I get it as clean as I can. And I start installing this, this Rubio. And have you ever used the, the product? Do you know, do you know what Rubio is at all? No, no. Is it oil based or what is? Well, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a two, it's a two part. And okay. so you mix, um, a percentage and you really should only mix as much as you can apply right. before because you, you put it on, you wipe it on, you leave it on for like 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever, mm -hmm. as it soaks in and takes up, the, takes up the color. And then you have to wipe the excess off. Mm -hmm. Well, as it's sitting there, it's also curing. So you have to do small sections so that you don't end up getting a section where you can't wipe it off because it's cured before you've gotten to it. Mm -hmm. So you're on your hands and knees wiping s small areas of this and then wiping it off. And then it, but the, the, the huge benefit is you can blend it seamlessly. So I oh, could nice. finish, you know, between rooms and I wouldn't have to like, whereas with Polly, you'd have to maybe do at a line, break at a line or I'd break in a, one room right. to the next and you'd have yeah. to wait for it to cure and I can't work on it. But once it's on, I can walk on it in socks and it's fine. Nice. And so yeah. makes it very easy to, to do that when I don't know how much I'm going to be able to do in a day because I'm doing every single thing, you know, from mm. plumbing to electrical to sheetrock to tile. Right. Um, <laughs> and so I finish the entire house, about 2,000 square feet. Uh -huh. And I'm sitting there admiring my work and kind of like just <laughs> feeling real proud of myself. And I, and I look down. And I see swirls. Oh. And if you've just thought you finished the project and you see swirls and then you oh. start to look in all the rooms and there's little swirls that oh. you see if you get down on your hands and knees. And so I had to go hand sand this floor oh. in the direction of the grain to take out the swirls and to get everything unified again and then restain 
the whole house. The whole thing? Oh my gosh. Yes. So so the the benefit though, if you're gonna use Rubio and um, and I think it's a great product. I think it turned out exceptionally well. I think it's a beautiful flooring material. Um, if you put on a coat and then that moisture in that material pops that grain a little bit mm-hmm. and then you sand it and then reapply a second coat, it is like glass. <laughs> and it is really beautiful. Mm. Um, so if you want a beautiful hardwood floor, just... Do two coats and put in that extra <laughs> two thousand hand sanding hours. Oh. Like, Rubio yeah. duo coat. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Yes. So that that was the uh, failure, but it after I didn't lose my shit because I yeah, was about right. to freak out. Uh, um, yeah, it was a relatively <laughs> pain painless solve because I didn't have right. to tear anything out. I just had to resand it. And then, oh. but it wasn't really even a, a really aggressive sanding. It was, it really just needed to be hand sanded with some 220 and to knock it down and then back to 320. Yeah. So it was, it was the, the Rubio that popped the grain that you were able then to see. All yeah. The because, because yeah. it, since it had a percentage of white in it, it didn't yeah. fill with oh, yeah. clear. It became a thicker part of the white. So you could definitely just see oh, it. Yeah. You didn't even have to get down. Once you, once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. And it yeah. was. Yeah. <laughs> was it one of those things that only you could did you ask anyone else like hey does this look no, weird to you? No, I think I think I mean there are plenty of those things in the world that I that only I think I see but yeah. I think this would have been very obvious to, <laughs> to anybody who walked in there and I was trying to do uh the best job possible and and it was really important to me that it be perfect so right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah there there would be things that... that you can let slide and then there's things that you can't let slide so yeah. Right, right. It'd be that one person like, "Hey, what's up with the uh, this grain or the squirrel? What is that?" You're like, "Ah, damn!" <laughs> right? Is that is that purposeful? <laughs> yes, I did it all on purpose. <laughs> yes, no, it was it was it was heartbreaking for about an hour as I just kind of freaked out for a minute. Yeah, yeah, uh, just get on with it. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, now <laughs> you know you got the, you got the good story and you got that extra, you know however many hours it took to really appreciate oh, it. I mean, and, we're talking, yeah. yeah, weeks. Yeah. Oh. Weeks on my, weeks on my hands and knees. And it was, I mean, anybody that does flooring, I got to give it to you. Cause that, oh, that man, is some, some hard ass work. Yeah. We, um, we've done a couple of floors as like my brothers and, you know, like just helping out family members and stuff and just being on your knees for, you know, that amount of time is just killer on its or just on its own. Just you know, even with right, knee pads, right. you're like, oh, it's like so. Man, after yeah, phew, I had I, I had guys this week come in and do the carpet in the house, and it was just so nice not to do it. Yeah, <laughs> every other step of the way I've done, and had people come in, like friends, and we've all done it, and I was just like, can we just this last step? Can we have someone else? And my wife's like, but you've done carpet. I'm like, yeah, I've done it. I don't want to yeah, do it you anymore. Worked. Yeah, right. Right. There's carpet. that point when you're sick of it. <laughs> yeah, like I don't want to do it. Just can we please get someone in? I was like, they will. It will take me all day or two days, and they'll knock it out in two hours. And sure enough, that's what happened. Yeah. Right. Nice. <laughs> right on. Uh, awesome. Um, so, Mark, do you have a recommendation for our listeners? Uh, I think. They, I mean, really just a bunch of resources around Cleveland because yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm unofficially going to work on every podcast to uh, have people spread the word about Cleveland because nice. it really is a great city. <laughs> um, 
but like my friend like my friend Jessica and Ron they have RBX which is the Rebuilders Exchange um, and they're actually going to come up to Maker Camp so you'll, oh, you'll right. be able to meet them nice. um, and then um, hopefully my friend Dave will be able to come up he runs a, an engineering inspection firm um, but he's a, a ridiculous um, he, his house everything in his house he's made or I mean mm. right now he's He's working on this light for the second bathroom remodel that it's going to have this vintage feel with all the pulleys and the counterweights and nice. the, you know, metal armature coming off the wall. And, you know, he's in there every day, like looking at different things and hitting it with a grinder and then, you know, putting some paint on it and then rubbing it off to kind of get that vintage look. And, mm, um, that's sweet. yeah. And then obviously Skidmark, I mentioned them a number of times and they're just a great group of people um and they have a nonprofit that actually is important to the maker community they're bringing a uh, shop class back to uh, high schools by teaching them a uh, motorcycle shop class f- around the high schools in cleveland nice so because i know a lot of a lot of schools have have no shop class anymore yeah 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 it's true yeah sweet what was your uh, your second one um so i have rbx i have skidmark and then mm-hmm. you said your buddy does he have like an instagram where he shows some of the stuff that um, he's done you know he doesn't he he is the worst instagram user he is not no he he will not you'll be able to talk to him in person if he makes it up to maker camp right on yeah um because i really think he'll he will really enjoy like seeing what the modern forge guys do yeah um because he really likes to work a lot in metal he does work some stuff in wood but um really i think metal is what he uh kind of connects to a little bit more and kind of suits his personality because i think every material has its own personality and being able to bang on it and hit it with a grinder and cut it and then weld it back together, I think suits him him much better than like hand sanding wood. I think that would just <laughs> frust- frustrate him and annoy him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But he, and he, and he's friends with this with the Soulcraft guy too. So um, I know that uh, you know Soulcraft is also one of the main reasons why I came to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim and Pete uh, started a great thing, and they they you know were teaching classes to. to students would come in and that would also kind of replace the wood shop. Mm. Um, and I know there's, you know, it does a community maker space as well. So they have same kind of thing as Skidmark with the, you know, space for rent. You can rent by the hour, you can use all the tools. And um, I know that community maker spaces are really important to kind of spread the community to people that don't have access to tools or don't have the garage space for it or the income for it to buy all that stuff. Right. Um, so nice. Yeah. There was a, there was a, there's a, um, a space right near where the school that I teach at, um, there's a space called the tool library, which is a, it's a tool library. It's also a maker space, but basically they have like all the tools that if you, you know, if, if you need something and you live there in the city in Baltimore. So, you know, if you don't have a shop, right. you don't have access to a shop, you can go and you can rent a palm sander. You can rent, you know, a chainsaw, you could rent hand, you know, hand tools. They have everything. And it's all, it's like, um, a really cool format of it's a suggested uh, yearly membership. So if you have that membership, mm-hmm. you can come in and borrow whatever you want. Um, and their right. suggested membership is like, it's like $10 times your, your 10,000 salary per year. Right. So if you, if you make a hundred thousand dollars, like you pay a hundred right. bucks for your membership, but even that's suggested. Right. So it's a pretty, like, right. uh-huh. it's a pretty, pretty easy lenient, system, yeah. but yeah, yeah. but that's if, one of those things. If you make a hundred thousand, get your own tools. And hope <laughs> you live in the city, you know, like. that's true. That's true. Right. It's yeah. space is at a premium. Then it's like, that's the problem. <laughs> right. True. Exactly. Yeah. But it's like, and they, they're just all about it. Right. They love have making, you know, bringing the access to the people. So that's sweet. Awesome. 
All right, Dev, you have a recommendation? Yeah, I'm going to recommend the um, the book I got that Kurosawa quote from. It's called A Life in Cinema. It's uh, basically a um, interview that uh, was done with Kurosawa at the end of his life in 93. Um, if you don't know who he is, he did uh, Seven Samurai and Ron and a bunch of these movies that, like, there would be no Star Wars or any of those type of things without Akira Kurosawa making his movies in the fifties and sixties. Um, well, if you if you if you haven't seen it yet, check out the Bad Sleep Well that he made in the fifties. Yeah, yeah, Ooh, that's right. a great film. Yes, such yeah, great framing, just an amazing use of like a still camera frame. Right, right. Yeah, his. I mean, that's for me. That's my uh, number one for filmmakers. Is a uh, 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 it seems almost like too simple, but it's a a love for composition, a love for cinematography, a love for the frame and what's going on and the movement. Like his, he just knows how to do it. Like that quote, it's him. He's finding the best. But why aren't we shooting the best part? So his 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 uh, interviews was was were great. I haven't I haven't read it since film school, but I loved it then. And that one quote stayed with me. So read that. Um, if you ever see like a, a windy, a really windy scene mm. in like an open street, like that's probably someone copying Kurosawa stuff like that. <laughs> you know, it's it's all his use of movement and nature and and framing. Everyone everyone rips him off, and he he's the man. Nice. Um, all right, so my recommendation is um, is an experience and. The way I thought, the reason why I thought about this is because Mark is like when you go to make your camp and you go in and you wait in line and you go and get photographs made taken by Mark. You're, you're, it's an experience that'll stick with you. And and one of the other experiences that I love about Maker Camp is, uh, is the timber framing, the timber frame projects, and mm-hmm. we've we've mm-hmm. participated in two of them. And so, um, if you don't know Justin Dietrich, you can check him out, Dietrich and sons on Instagram. Um, he has led, uh, two timber framing projects and is now like doing a third one this year. And that, that is an experience because he's kind of pulling all these people together who have a pretty general knowledge of timber framing and the use of hand tools and just, and he, um, he leads with just this like really nice, gentle nudging, like command that makes, gets everyone to do everything and get everything done in time without being, you know, like he's not, he's not like whipping the, you know, cracking the whip and like a slave driver and making, and just being crazy about it. He just, everything goes really smoothly and, and you feel excited and, and like you're part of something bigger when you're there. I think that's like the same thing that happens when you're like, you see those portraits that Mark takes, um, but that experience that Justin creates is really cool. Um, and I, yeah. I'm a little disappointed cause I, I'll, I'll make my way over to his timber frame this year, but I won't be able to spend as much time as we have in the past, which I've always loved. Um, but, uh, the, the big timber framing mallet that I'm, that I made for my maker swap is made from, uh, a piece of the six by six timbers from last year's maker, um, mm-hmm. timber frame, as well as some of the pegs. So the pegs in the head are made from, uh, reclaimed materials from last year's from the bridge. Frame. Yeah, that's right. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys don't follow Justin, you can follow him on Instagram at Dietrich and Sons. And uh, yeah, and check out the um, the Timber Frame project this year, which I think they're doing like uh, um, 
it's a, a bigger kind of pavilion-y building with a big gable top on top this kind yeah. of cool, or cupola you know, up a, top so a part of me was like man like the last one took all our time no, yeah, not the bridge, right, yeah. the bridge, but the smaller version took all our time. Yeah, yeah. I was, I'm almost happy that I, I mean, I, I would, it's always worthwhile, but yeah. it's still two days of like a lot of work. <laughs> like, yeah, right. That's a big yeah. one. I don't know if I want to pitch in on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think if, I think if Justin's listening, I think it would be really great for us to do a timber framed trebuchet. Oh man, yes. <laughs> and then and then shoot it at whatever whatever burn in the middle and start the yes, burn exactly with, a, with right, a flaming. Yeah, yeah. I'm in. Yes, big, big flaming uh, yes. <laughs> balls of oil and in, in, uh, canvas. <laughs> oh man, that'd be great. There actually, uh, there, there's will not be a maker burn this year. Uh, really? So no, I know I heard that. Yeah, why? Yeah. I, I think space. I, I think space yeah. is the requirement because you have to have a certain back set from things, and I think there's more tents. Yeah, um, yeah. I want to fill. So up. I, I think, yeah. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> They're gonna do apparently fireworks on Sunday night, which would be kind of cool, and you know, and all the fires and stuff. So cool. All right, Mark. Well, um, uh, let the listeners know where can we find you on social media, on you know the internet. How can people find your work? Uh, well, um, Instagram's obviously the uh, the most current stuff. So Mark Adams pictures on Instagram, um, and then older work, commercial work, um, is on markadamspictures.com. And then I'm I'm thinking about trying something new this year. Um, there's a kind of a web service uh, Pixie Set. So markadamspictures.pixieset.com, I think, is um, where I'll I'll put up pictures and people can order prints and things like that if they want. Nice, cool. pixie set, right on. That's cool. no, that's a great idea. We yeah, give the people the option to 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 buy stuff for sure. Right. Yeah, because I mean, I think because if you you know, it's great to see a little picture, but like I said, you know, the I like the the stuff big. So hopefully, yeah. I can spread that message across. Oh yeah, I agree. Yeah, a good friend of mine um, was like did photography when we were at Micah together, Maryland Institute College of Art, and. Um, she's i have a bunch of her photographs and uh some some you know singles she also did a bunch of collage work where she would you know take a bunch of photographs and collage like a, a bigger scene into you know made up by you know a hundred potentially hundreds of of smaller photographs and uh all the ones i have from her are these giant prints that are you know 60 by 80 inches like <laughs> these really right. beautiful huge photographs and they're just it's just so much detail so beautiful when you can get something really big to look at it and and she had she had some shows after school after we were in uh undergrad together and and she's got all these like big photographs rolled up. She's like, I have nothing to do with them. I was like, give them to me. I'll take them. So I have a few of them <laughs> hanging in my house. So, Oh, good. That's awesome. Beautiful photographs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right, everybody. Well, uh, make sure you head over to uh, YouTube. You can subscribe there and let us know what you think on newest videos and older videos. That's uh, we love. We love creating things and putting out content for you guys to view and, and check out. Um, I will, I will do it. I'll do some stories and some content for maker camp this year, but Devin won't be there. So we won't have a, a maker camp video, a full video, but I'll try to make up with some stuff. And, uh, if you want to follow along with what we do behind the scenes and in the shop and 
what's going on in our lives, you can always head over to Instagram and follow uh, me at the Art of Craftsmanship and Devin at the Art of Camera Guy. Uh, and then last but not least, if you want to support us even further, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash out of craftsmanship and you can uh, become a patron there and help to support all the stuff that we try to do to put more cool content out for the viewers and the listeners and everybody. Yeah. And, and I'll interject real quick. The, one of the reasons we, well, one of the reasons I've been super busy, but trying to put out a video, we've been having issues with Adobe subscriptions Yeah, yeah. and uh, I think subscription software is the worst thing on the planet. So yeah. <laughs> I think you should be able to buy it once and be done with it. Like, especially for editing software, it's, uh, you're not going to improve it much. Even if you put out a new version, can yeah. it do cuts and dissolves? And can I drop video and audio into it? Other than that, I don't need a new version. It hasn't right. changed <laughs> since I was in film school. I need the same gear. Let me buy it once. Don't make us pay $60 a month for it. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, Hopefully, yeah, you know, if it, we can, we we will be able to get it back. But just just the the fact of being in the middle of a project yeah. and losing the subscription for the reasons we know, and it's fine. But it, it that's not it should never be like that. Yeah, and you know that some of that stuff is that we can you know the more the more people we have that support us, the the better we can make all <laughs> that stuff flow without it. I guess the hiccups. subscriptions won't hurt as much, but it's still so yeah. <laughs> All right, Mark. It was a blast, man. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, and I'm excited to see you and chat some more uh, in two weeks. We're, I guess, uh, less than two weeks away now. It's coming up quick. Yeah, you yeah it's right around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun. Right. Yeah, we will. Right, you too. <laughs> All right, guys. Everybody, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time.